Hey everyone and welcome to episode 5 of Let's Talk All Things LGBTQ+. I'm your host, Annie McKinnon. I am your authentic coach, therapist, speaker, writer and podcaster. Today I am welcoming to the show a very good friend of mine, Tate. And Tate is here to talk about the misconceptions out there of being bisexual. So Tate, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Annie. So I'll ask you a question, Tate, that I ask all my guests. If I were able to give you a superpower right now, what would you want that to be and why? Oh, so I don't think mine would necessarily be deemed as a superpower. Some of you out there might remember this. Uh, It's a television show called Bernard's Watch. So as a young kid, found a watch, and if you clicked the top of the watch, if you're holding it, the whole world around you would freeze, but you would still be able to carry on. So I think, especially at the moment, everything gets really busy. I don't have a lot of time. So that would be, yeah, I'd like to be able to sit there, click the watch, tidy my flat, read my book, relax, and then be able to unclick it and the world just starts up again. Yeah, I think that's a great superpower. And yeah, I know you're really busy with your student nursing and studying and everything else that's going on. So I really appreciate you being on today. So let's jump in. What do you think, Tate, are the misconceptions of being bisexual? And that can be from the start right through to now. If you could just tell us a bit about that. Yeah, so I think... I mean, everyone has probably heard it once or twice in their life. I think the common misconception is somebody who is bisexual is greedy or is unsure of their sexuality or my most hated term is just experimenting. There's nothing experimental about it. There might have been in my younger years where I sort of had that, well, hang on a minute, I'm attracted to him and her and them there for myself I was very confused sort of in my late teens I had a very good friend um who was a female and it was sort of that am am I attracted to her because she's my friend and I love her in that sense or am I attracted to her because I want something more than just a friendship so what what age were you back then can you remember I believe it started when I was around 13, so 12, 13, um, I had a very, very dear friend called Amy, and, you know, we grew up together, we went to school together, and we had this incredible friendship, and it was that real kind of, am I attracted to her because she's my best friend, and I want to care for her in that sense, never acted on anything with her as much as I may have wanted to. But then I had a later friendship that I did, and it actually became quite quite a turning point because as much as in that moment we both seemed to want the same thing, we kissed, it was lovely. Afterwards, she went round and told everyone at school what had happened. Wow. And I don't know whether that was her kind of trying to come to terms with what had happened or she didn't talk to me about it. <laughs> but yeah, it got quite weird. I guess before we go into that, what I'm really curious about is you talk about being attracted to your friends. Was Mm. that attraction also out with friendship? So if you were, you know, wherever you were, were you attracted to girls and boys out with that friendship? Yeah, definitely. And yeah, it would sort of be you'd walk around 
And again, in younger years, you're sort of like, well, am I looking at her because I appreciate the way she looks the same as I do with men? I appreciate the way you look. Or am I looking at you because I find you attractive? That trying to understand in my younger years of, of where these feelings are coming from. Obviously, now I know as an adult, I'm looking at you because I think you're beautiful and you're attractive and there's something about you drawing me to you. It's all about that connection, being connected, to whether it's a female or a male. Yeah, that's exactly it, is that connection. Um, I've had people over the years ask me, well, why don't you just choose? And it's like, well, there isn't a choice. There are just people in your life you connect with and you can't explain that connection. There's something that draws you together like magnets. Yeah, and I understand that. So going back to the friend... excuse me, uh, the friend that, I guess, outed uh, your relationship in school. Tell us a bit about that and how that went. It sort of drew me back into a box because then I felt like I'd done something wrong. And that was really hard to understand. And it took me many years to build up the confidence again to approach a girl again and to sort of let myself be vulnerable again with a woman. Um, It almost became sort of dating men was a safety net for me because I didn't feel like I was being judged. I didn't feel like anyone would have an issue with me dating a man. And it wasn't until sort of my late teens, early 20s, when I met a spectacular woman who helped me understand that it's okay to have those feelings, to express those feelings and not feel judged or penalised for having them and sort of get back in touch with that part of myself. That must have been a wonderful experience. And before we get to that, I'm curious about this friend that outed you at school. Did she out you in a negative way or was it that she was quite open about her sexuality? No, I think, and not that I would ever want to question her sexuality. I don't know whether she is bisexual now. I don't know whether for her it was just kind of getting caught up in the moment. But it it certainly was a negative experience, almost, I wouldn't say on the line of bullying, but certainly a teasing of this happened. She told everybody in our sort of friend group or everybody at school that would listen. And yeah, it became almost like a joke, but in a mean way, like I wasn't laughing. (laughs) Okay, can you give us an example of some of, of that teasing or, you know, what might have been bullying? Well, yeah. So I had, I was approached sort of in the playground and teased for kind of, well, are you a lesbian? And obviously in my mind at that time, I still didn't know. I'm, you know, sort of 15, 16. I didn't know whether I was gay. I didn't know if I was straight. I didn't know what these feelings were. And I was having people coming up, calling me names, ridiculing me for expressing, you know, what had happened that night. And it very much put me on the outside of our social group. Unfortunately, sort of in the early 2000s, as much as you would have loved it to be the experience that sort of the generations now are getting with acceptance, it was still very taboo, particularly at school. It was kind of she's dating him, he's dating her. And no one really talked about their sexuality sort of in my child years. I've got friends now that were very obviously, for example, gay, very sort of males who were very flamboyant, very expressive in nature. And you sort of knew, but you waited and you respected their time to sort of go, 
this is who I am and this is who I love. It wasn't really spoken about. That must have been really, really hard. How how did that feel for you at the time, Tate? I mean, for me, sexuality and in particular same-sex love is something that actually I've grown up with. My godmother is a lesbian and I spent a lot of time with her and her partner at the time. And she's since, or sort of in my late teens, uh, she met now her wife. And I spent a lot of time with them growing up. My mother's best friend is gay. Um, I spent a lot of time around him. So it's not, I don't want to sound ignorant to it, but it wasn't something that I thought about in that sense. It was just, well, she loves her and he loves him and they love each other. And that's fine, whether you were gay or straight or it didn't seem like, and I mean this in the nicest way, but a big deal because I grew up with it being the normal. Did those people become a support system for you or were you still in that box frightened to be open? To be honest, my support system actually came mostly from my uncle, who is straight. He's now married. He's only a few years older, so he's sort of that older brother in our family kind of network. And a lot of the time growing up, he was the one I talked to. And his response was just kind of, okay, cool. Do you need anything else? Sort of how do I, that's fine. If if that's who you love, if that's who you're dating, if that's how you're feeling, that's okay. So your uncle, I'm guessing then you came out to him. What about the rest of your friends and family? How did they react? See, I don't think I've ever really had a coming out when it comes to my parents. Been that kind of, they knew, which as, as much as I love my parents, they seem to be secret agents. <laughs> I think they knew everything I got up to when I was a child. But yeah, I've I think the only time we ever really spoke about it was when I was traveling sort of five years ago. I'd met somebody um, who was another backpacker. We spent a lot of time together. She yeah, been a, was a massive influence in who I was as a person at that time. And I was very shocked to find out that she was sort of almost coming to surprise me once I'd moved back to Sydney. I'm not someone who likes surprises. I like to be able to plan. And it made me a bit upset. And I regret that I was a little bit nasty to her in my response when she just rocked up on my door. How did you react? The people I was living with at the time knew me from my past and also didn't know a lot about me. So I got a bit scared that I'd finally got comfortable with who I was. And I didn't know how they were going to take me bringing her home. I guess that understandably comes from that negative experience she had in school. Massively. You know, was still in the back of your mind thinking, well, I'm okay with this. She's okay with this. But what are my friends going to think? And a lot of my relationships that people have perceived on things like social media, not that I've ever hidden when I've dated a girl. I've put it up on there. I've put pictures of her up on there but I don't think anyone ever necessarily clocked it. So a lot of the relationships they've seen is when I've been in relationships with men. So particularly the people I was living with, I, I don't didn't know at the time whether they knew I was bisexual. And sort of the being surprised at her coming over and also expecting to stay with me in this house that I'd just moved into. I hadn't settled and I, and I was not friendly and it's probably one of my biggest regrets at that time because 
I was head over heels for this girl. She was something special. Mm. Have you spoken to her since? Yeah, I have. And I've, you know, apologised and we've sort of mended the bridge, but it will never make up for that time and it will never make up for how I made her feel because she was very open and very honest with who she was. And like you say, those perceptions and sort of the, the little voice in the back of my head that goes, oh my God, but what if? It's still very much there. Bet when you look back. But it's really nice to hear that you've mended those bridges with her. And I'm interested you talking about your parents because clearly I know who your parents are. I know I know what they're about. And I can almost just imagine them knowing and not making a big deal of it, which is a fantastic thing because we know so many people out there don't have that experience, whether it's with friends or family. I can imagine both of them being really supportive. And it's it's sort of that as well, looking at the generation now that is sort of coming to grips with who they are as a, a person, who they are sexually, who they are emotionally. I know there is still struggles out there, depending on where you live in the world um, or even just where you live in England in some mm. places. But I don't think... And I'm only speaking for my generation. Obviously, your generation and generations before had it much, much harder. Yeah, my prehistoric age, <laughs> I call it. Yeah, for sure. I think you're right. I think there are still a lot of struggles for people. You know, if you look at Facebook groups and people put up, put up there, oh, I'm coming out today to my parents or I'm coming out to my friends. I'm really, really scared. And it's still there, but you're right. It's certainly from my day, it appears easier. I look forward to a time when, and if I was to ever have children, this is how I'd want it to be for them. But I look forward to a time when everybody could just walk through the door with their partner, he, she, they, whoever, and just say, mum, dad, this is so-and-so, I'll put the kettle on. And do you think that day will come? I hope it comes. I I see it slightly now. Um, I see there's a lot of accepting parents out there. Even when it comes to things like, um, I'm a massive, massive fan of Drag Race. Love Drag Race. And I see a lot of like TikToks with mums and dads, you know, with young children, taking them shopping for clothes, for makeup, for football jerseys. That, you know, otherwise people would be like, oh, hang on, a, a little boy or a little girl doesn't wear that. And that kind of acceptance that even at such a young age, if you want to wear a pink tutu, wear a pink tutu, son. You know, little girl, if you want to pick up a football, go and go and play football. Like there still is those little stigmas with who you are as a person, not even thinking about your sexuality yet. Yeah, absolutely. And as you're, you're talking, I guess what I'm wondering is when you're in a relationship with the person you've chosen, whether, you know, that be he, she, they, what, have you had any reactions because of the fact that you're bisexual? I've had, not necessarily friends, but people in the past who have sort of been like, okay, well, you know, when does the man come along again then? Okay. Almost almost like it's a, a blip. Yeah, that you're you're suddenly just thinking, oh, today I fancy being with a man, or today I fancy being with a girl. When in actual fact, you've spoken about it. It's about the connection and how you feel when you're with someone. And I think there is still 
that fear, I've had one very serious relationship with a woman and I've had what I would class as three serious relationships with men. Mm-hmm. And by serious, I mean it's been a few years. Sure. It's not, they're not flings. And I think there is, for me, still that fear around dating a woman, not because of how I'll be judged, but how, how can I put this? I've been hurt by women more than I feel like I've been hurt by men. I feel like the pain I feel when I'm with a woman and it goes south hurts me more. That's really interesting. What do you think that's about? I think that stems all the way back to my first experience and being outed and being mocked for for who I am. It was a very unkind thing to do to somebody who's still trying to figure out where their heart lies in the world. So I think with women, I am much more guarded. Not that I'm not with men, but I feel like I have a much deeper wall when it comes to women. Yeah, and I guess, you know, if we look at men and we look at women and, you know, we're labelled as women being the nurturing creators of the world, I'm thinking when two women get together, do you think that might have something to do with it? I think a lot of it comes from communication. Um, I'm very, very lucky with my partner now, uh, who is a man. He not only understands my attraction to women, but it's also a fun part of our relationship. You know, we can happily and comfortably look at women together and be like, that's an attractive lady. And it's that almost acceptance. How comfortable is that? (laughs) It's it's very comfortable. Mm. We we both love boobies. Yeah, I love that. (laughs) (laughs) I can relate to that. I think there's been a lot of times in relationships with women where the other part of me has felt judged. Oh, so? So that sort of attraction to men has sort of been criticised perhaps can you explain about paint a picture about how that that looks in reality for you so I'm quite a friendly person anyway particularly having worked in healthcare for so many years I have no issues finding a way to start a conversation with people and I remember many years ago being out with a girlfriend and being in a bar and I was standing at the bar waiting to order our drinks She was at the table, sat with a few of our friends, and I just got chatting to this guy standing next to me. The bar was really busy. We were not getting served anytime soon. And I remember coming back to the table and being questioned on why I was talking to him. Mm, How did that feel? Not great. (laughs) It it kind of, it put me on edge. It was sort of like, but am I not allowed to just talk to people? Am I not allowed to talk to him because he's a man? or are we just putting a blanket over me talking to anybody whereas I don't necessarily feel like I've had that particularly in my relationship now if I was still at a bar chatting to a girl he'd be like how was she she seemed nice she had a nice butt and that sounds like a really healthy relationship yeah yeah I'm very lucky that he understands one that I would never cheat I've never been a cheater it's never something that has even crossed my mind but that I can appreciate somebody who is attractive, beautiful, handsome. I can like their personality, the way they look, or I can just appreciate them for somebody interesting I want to talk to. There's not an agenda with it. And that comes down to trust, doesn't it? Oh, massively. 
and and a lot of the time particularly being bisexual you've got to have that trust within the lesbian community there's sort of the joke of jumping from one to the next and the women I have dated do identify themselves as lesbians rather than bisexual so that is there all that fear sometimes of am I expendable are you going to just throw me away when you find something else and unfortunately that has happened I walked in to an ex's birthday party assuming we were still together to find her sat on somebody else's lap very much enjoying her time and to be honest kudos to them not the nicest way for it to happen but they are now married they are a beautiful couple they've had an incredible life I still sort of see on on social media how they're doing and they were made for each other in all fairness and I am grateful to have witnessed them finding each other perhaps just in a different way would have been nicer definitely I agree there yeah so it sounds like there are many environments that you can walk into and still have that bit of fear of rejection even if it's within the lesbian community walking in as a bi woman even on um, dating apps very few dating apps have the option to be able to view both sexes you have to select whether you're interested in men or women you don't get the choice to look at both I mean I haven't been on a dating app in over a year now having been in my relationship it may have changed but last time I was on tinder I had to swap between my profiles and again you're, you're looking for that connection you're looking unfortunately quite vainly at what they look like but then when you look at their profile you've got to go through it see if they've got similar interests you invest a lot of time into looking for someone you have a connection with to then have the added time frame of swapping between profiles and constantly going in and changing your preferences mm. rather than just being able to enjoy the different people out there looking to make connections with different people i think there's definitely a gap in the market for that one take and i get there are people out there that just want to meet men just want to meet women but then obviously there are those of us who want to meet a man a woman or are they them let me meet everyone not now i'm taken now but <laughs> back in the day <laughs> and very clear about that which is lovely <laughs> and again that's about setting up boundaries isn't it and being yeah. really clear in communication with whoever you're with and then it's their responsibility to take that on or feel insecure about who you are massively i'm very lucky to have found my partner for him to not only accept but understand that part of me to understand that it doesn't matter whether you are black white purple green man woman they them it's about having that connection with someone and about getting to know that person on a deeper level to understand who they are and that's what you are attracted to you know yes you can be wrapped up in a beautiful little wrapper with a bow on your head but things like that don't always stay your life changes and you've got to have that deeper connection with people to have a successful relationship and a successful life together regardless of what wrapper they might be in i like that expression so what is it about this man this man this man 
swept me off my feet, threw me down a mountain, and I landed in a pool of happiness. So, yeah, what what is it about him, do you think, though, that is able to understand that, yes, you're attracted to men, women, they, them? Oh, maybe I should have asked him that question before I come and chat to you. No, I think when we, t- when we were talking about it at the sort of the beginning of our relationship, for him, when he looks for a partner, he's very similar in a sense. He needs to have that connection. Not that there's a list of boxes to tick, but he has to feel like on an emotional and intellectual level, he has to be able to have a conversation and, and feel that connection together. And he's even said, you know, I've, I've been on dates with very beautiful women, but the minute they open their mouth, there hasn't been that connection. There hasn't been that interest in each other, that spark. And he's sort of said to me, you know, I knew on our first date, this was something special. We closed the bar down. I think our date lasted about six hours and neither of us could stop talking. It was almost like there was electricity in the air. Wow. Yeah, that sounds like a good date. It was a very good date. <laughs> okay, Tate, you were talking about generations. Yes. What have you seen in terms of, and I guess I'd like you to explain a bit about the generations and what they're called, because like I said, I'm prehistoric age and I'm not so familiar with that. Yeah, so obviously people like to make clear definitions in generations. Yeah, so different generations, obviously you have, I'm not going to go too far back, but what you, you mean the, actually, don't well, you're not going too far back to I'm not going all the way back to baby boomers nineteen forty six. Okay, no, I was a bit I was a bit later than that. But they do play a vital role. Um there was a lot of sort of hidden bars and restaurants and underground parties happening where people could express themselves. Oh wow, that goes way back before it that does. as well, doesn't it? Yeah. So where would you like to start? I mean, Generation X, which would be sort of the 1965-1980, I think laid the foundation in a bigger movement of expressing your sexuality and that sort of acceptance. You sort of see the jokes about, you know, free love and the, the hippie culture that came out of sort of those eras. But I think taking the joke aside, it did start that movement of love is love and it's okay to love whoever you love. But particularly focusing on the movement between millennial, Gen Z, and then what's being being referred to as Generation Alpha. So millennial being my generation, uh, 1981 to 1996. We had an interesting generation, I feel. I'm sure some of them might sort of out there be like, oh, I don't really get it. But my generation was the emo, the goth. The, the getting in touch with your emotions and displaying them outwardly. So very much your clothes, your makeup was showing the world in quite a severe way of who you are and what you wanted the world to perceive you as. Um, I myself am not afraid to admit I was an emo. I have pictures to prove it. The world will never see. <laughs> so for, for people out, out there listening around the world that might not know what an emo is, Tell us a bit about that. An emo was referred to as an emotional punk. Mm. So rather than that kind of heavy metal grunge that came with goth, 
it was very much more instrumental, more lyricy. Think My Chemical Romance. Think Evanescence. So that real getting in touch with how emotional you're feeling, the sadness, the anger, letting it out, screaming at the top of your lungs in your bedroom when you're 15 years old and your parents are already banging on your door, really getting in touch with the emotion. And I guess that kind of comes into how Generation Z, so that 1997 to sort of the 2010 of looking at how you portrayed your outward to match your inward, starting to look at playing with clothing and makeup again in expressing not only how you emotionally felt, but particularly moving into this generation alpha we've got now, how your sexuality then ties into that. There's very much been the stigma around the years of the butch lesbian and sort of women feeling like in order for people to understand who they were, as a lesbian you had to dress as a lesbian and and that shouldn't have been the case if you if you want to wear that wear that by all means but people shouldn't have had to feel like they had to dress a certain way to be accepted and i think the flip side to how generation alpha is going now is there's sort of that perception of is this a trend a lot of the stuff i see particularly on social media is the fear with a younger generation following, like a lot of them will follow trends, makeup trends, hair trends, clothing trends. And there's that sort of slight underlying fear that by trying to accept everyone for who they are, are we pushing people to pick who they are? And sort of that real, we've come away from don't tell me if you're gay or bisexual, or trans, to, but now I want to know, and I want to know what box you fit in, and what label to call you, and why am I calling you that, then, okay, cool, you're a they, then, why are you a they, then? So people are, I guess, being called out? Sort of, and again, that's going to come back to people's sexuality, as much as we want it to be an acceptance, we want it to be an acceptance for who you are, and who you love, not you feeling like, you have to tell the world who you are and who you love. Absolutely, and I think there's a definite thread running through all my podcast conversations, and that's about us as human beings being able to be our authentic self without being judged no matter what. And this is, I mean, you very well know I have a very small comedic TikTok and whenever I open my TikToks, if I'm having a conversation with my followers, it is, you know, hello, you beautiful bunch of beings. We are beautiful bunches of beings. I don't need to define if I am male, female, if I love women or men, if I am attracted to they, thems, if I am attracted to, you know, my bed, because I love my bed. <laughs> But I shouldn't have to tell the world that if I don't want to. So if people want to find you on TikTok, Tate, what handle do you have? I don't even know if they call so that my TikTok, anymore. So my TikTok is at Tatey Lou. So T-A-T-I-E underscore L-O-U. It is purely funny. I do not take myself seriously. And you will clearly see that. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can totally verify that. It's all fun and sort of laughing at yourself as well, which is oh, really massively. good, which gives out that message to everyone. Just 
be your authentic self. And as much as social media gets criticised over the years, I started my TikTok when I was in a very confusing place. I was very isolated during the lockdown. I was struggling with self-love and not having anyone around to show me love. As selfish as that sounds, some of my confidence, I'm happy to admit, comes from knowing that somebody appreciates me as much as I appreciate them. I'm very much a giver when it comes to my love and who I am in a relationship. And a lot of my confidence in myself comes from knowing that somebody else is there to give me back as much as I give. And my TikTok opened up a a very interesting world. I did actually meet a very lovely girl on there. Uh We became TikTok followers. We even met up for coffee once. And it was very clearly a friendship. But you met, you discovered that, which is all good. And I think there's so many people out there will relate to what you're saying about self-love and receiving that love. If, you know, we have so many givers in the world, but we also have a lot of takers. So to be able to receive that in a way that makes sense to you is understandable. I definitely struggle sometimes with receiving love. And receiving compliments as well. I get told off constantly by my partner, will you just accept my love? (laughs) What's that about, Tate? What is that about? I wish I could tell you. I think a lot of it comes from giving so much that I had nothing left to give and not getting enough. I mean, I'm... uh, as a student nurse and having worked in healthcare, my nature is to care for people. My nature is to want to make you feel better, to make you feel cared for, to make you feel appreciated. That is just what's natural to me. I get told off constantly for giving too much of either myself, my time, my money, and not necessarily getting it back in return. But I think also... I struggled in my younger years of understanding that how I give is not necessarily the same as how somebody else gives. And that took me a very long time to learn that, particularly in relationships. I'm very lucky my partner brings me a cup of coffee every morning in bed. And it's things like that that is him giving. It's him showing his love. It's him showing his appreciation. And it's him showing me that I'm loved. Mine might you know, might be when he comes home from work, dinner's ready, or the house is tidy, or just asking how each other's day is. As simple as that, really, isn't it? Definitely a great guy. He is. I think that's a wrap, Tate. I'd like to thank you so much for coming on the show and giving your time when I know you don't have much of it. No, thank you. I'm more than happy. Thank Give you. All the time. Okay, so if... Listeners would like to get in touch with Tate, you can do that through my email, which is info at coachingcart.com, and that's cart with a C. And if you want to find out a bit more about me, you can visit my website, www.coachingcart.com. And again, if you've liked this podcast, please review and share with your community so that we can get these conversations out there and thank you for listening episode six will be out monday and i look forward to that thank you very much